few weeks ago, Pastor Jay began a new series called New Normal. It's pretty obvious that the pandemic is not going away as quickly as we hoped it would. So the stress, the disruption, the chaos, the sickness, all those kind of things have sort of had lasting effects and probably will even after the the, uh, virus itself is not so much an issue of the problems that it's caused over time. So we've been talking about what is the new normal going to be? What will be a new normal? What is God doing in this time? We need his guidance. We need his, his peace. We need his touch during this time. Now the first three messages, the first two messages rather, in the new normal series were a cry of the heart and a new mind. And today we're going to be looking at dealing with delay which does sound like something that would show up during this pandemic, doesn't it? Um, By the way, I want to tell all of you that are watching, especially on Facebook, it's so easy to share this series with people. If you'll just go to the Kingwood Church page and and the event that's pinned at the top, you can just click share or invite someone, and it's incredible. These, These messages might help people. And so it's a really good idea to try to do that, if you will. We started this series looking at The people of Israel, God's people, coming out of Egypt, uh, they had been in slavery for 430 years. They didn't even remember when they weren't slaves. There was no no memory of it. And um, it's no surprise that when times got tough while they were on their journey, um, they wanted to go back to slavery. They actually did. They wanted to go back to Egypt. In Numbers 14, 3 and 4, we read, they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. When it's it's, uh, tough times come, it's human nature to want to go go back to something you're familiar with. To return to familiar things, even if those familiar things are not that great. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted to go back into slavery. Sometimes... It feels that way. Ah, man, I wish we could get everything back to normal. But when you think about several months ago, normal wasn't always that great, was it? There were a lot of things that hindered people in the kingdom of God and in in God's work. So we can look back and say, oh, boy, I'd like to get back to that. Yeah, yeah, or really? (laughs) Where is God leading us? I'm telling you this. He's not going to be leading us backwards. I believe God is leading us forward. Just because things were normal back then didn't mean that was the best normal there could be. So there's got to be a new normal. And at Kingwood, we are not moving backward. We're not going to. Do you remember when uh, you were a child and the longest delay possible was waiting for Christmas? Anybody remember that? It was like from the moment the very first Christmas decorations went up at the house or or at the mall, which was about in September, or uh, when, whenever somebody first saw it, maybe Christmas, kids started going, when is it, when is it, when is it coming? When? And the excitement began to ramp up more and more and more, and it took forever for Christmas to get here. And now at our age, it's like, oh my goodness, I just put those decorations up yesterday. It's time to pull them out again. Is it Christmas yet? Is it Christmas yet? Every day that you say, not yet, it's just another delay. I'll be honest with you, the longest delay, the longest night of my life was probably in 1961 when I was five years old. I had just 
sort of figured out what Christmas was about. And I had been asking my mom and dad, is it Christmas yet? Is, it, is Santa Claus coming yet? Is it Christmas yet? Over and over and over. And the day finally came, is it Christmas yet? Is he coming tonight? Yes, this is the night. We need to get in bed early. And I'm telling you, it did something to me. I completely lost all composure. It was the greatest event in history to me. I, went, I, I, I couldn't eat. I, they put us to bed early, put me to bed early. I'm sleeping in the bed with my brother who was older than me. And folks, I did not sleep a wink all night long. My parents said every 30 minutes, I would scream into the dark, has he come yet? And my brother would go, shut up, try to sleep. And my dad, no, no, go to sleep, Mark. Folks, about every 30 minutes, I did that. And my, my mom and dad would get up, they took turns, they'd get up, they'd rub my back, they'd sing to me, they would bribe me, they would threaten me. <laughs> my brother threatened me within an inch of my life. And finally, about 4.30 in the morning, I, Daddy, is he here yet? Yes, he has come. Everybody get up. He was, he was frustrated, exhausted. And we all got up, and folks, I played with my toy all day. I didn't eat anything except candy. I ate candy, that's it, and I didn't drink anything. I played all day long, and about 6 o'clock that night, I collapsed I went to sleep. They couldn't wake me up. I ended up in the hospital with an IV because I was dehydrated and completely exhausted. My dad said it was the longest night of his life. So in the Sims family, we changed the way we talked about things before, after that event. I remember it. I do remember it. It was, it was amazing. I, it, it was the longest night of my life, too except for that lock-in I did back when I was a youth pastor. Yeah, that, that probably was it. Delays are difficult. When your plan is, we're going to do this, then we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we got it all mapped out for all of you mapped out kind of people. And a delay just throws you into something. Delays are difficult. It's like a constant delay just knocks the breath out of you every time. Just when you think it's about to happen, not yet. It's all about timing. You know, I think that, and I, I've felt this for a long time, I think the hardest thing to deal with, with God things, are timing. I'm serious. It's, it's the hardest thing to deal with. You know, you, you, for instance, you go to God and you pray, God, I need a job. I pray, God, I need a job. And you fast and you pray, which is sort of like supercharging, you know, prayer. And you fast and pray and you get a truckload of people to agree with you that you're going to get a job, and, and then you land this interview for a great job, and you go, it's got to be God, it must be God, but you don't get that job, and you don't get the next one you interview for, and you don't get the next one. You were so sure, you were so convinced, it was all lining up. So why the delay, God? Why the delay? When I was a sophomore in high school, now that would have been in 1972, whoa, I, uh, I, I, a prophet, Bible prophecy guy came through our area and had, had loads of scripture and charts and all, and I was convinced that 
And he, because he said this, Jesus had to come before the year 1980. It was impossible that it would be after that year. Because, oh, because Israel had become a nation in 47 and minus seven years of tribulation plus 40 years is a long story. But it had to happen before 1980. And so when my parents started talking to me as I got ready to graduate from high school in 74 about my future and about college, man, there's no need for me to do that. Jesus will, be, Jesus will be here literally a couple of years. I won't even be graduated by the time Jesus comes back. Thank God my wonderful parents and pastor and, and people talked me out of that miscalculation. I'm so glad because it didn't wreck my future. I was able to see my purpose and move on. But I was so sure, folks. I was so sure. Now, does that mean Jesus didn't come? No. But we forgot that he said that no one knows the day or the hour. And, and, and I sort of put that aside because I was sure that delay threw me into a tailspin for a while. Timing is the issue. Like a child at Christmas, it's just not easy to navigate a delay. We all remember when this virus showed up in, what, February, end of January, February, and we heard about it. I, I'm going to be real honest with you. I thought we'd be done with it by Easter. I did. I thought we'll, we'll have a normal service at Easter. We'll, we'll be done with it. And then I thought for sure we'll be done with it when it's hot in the summer. Well, it's been hot. We're not done with it. And I knew we'd be done with it before the fall. I, it wasn't. And I was wrong, and my timing, my timing has never been that great. <laughs> I figured that out. So what do we do on this trip to the new normal when there's a delay? And I don't mean just the pandemic, just a lot of things in our lives get delayed. How long will it take? Not long, I hope. But then again, I'm not too sharp with timing. What if it takes longer than we think? What if it takes a trek to get there, not a hop, skip, and a jump? What if things don't happen on our timetable? What if it's true that delays are not always caused by the devil? That sometimes God is in the delay? Is that possible? Well, that's our subject today. That's what we're talking about. The people of Israel left Egypt. They came through the Red Sea with a miracle. They got on dry land. God brought water out of a rock. Manna came from heaven and fed them supernaturally. They were on their way to the land flowing with milk and honey. And they just happened to stop at the foot of Mount Sinai because God told them, told them to stop there so Moses could go up the mountain of God and, and talk with God for a while. So Moses went up there. But the problem was Moses stayed up there, the scripture says, for over a month. And there was fire on top of the mountain. Moses was delayed, and about a million people were in the valley, quarantined in a lockdown at the foot of the mountain, and Moses was up there, and he was delayed. So what did they do? Look at what the scripture says, Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. When the people saw Moses was long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. And as for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Oh, my goodness. They, what did they do during the delay? 
what went through their mind, all kind of craziness. It's sort of like us. Things get twisted real quick when we have a delay. We try to figure it out. Here's what went through their minds. You ready? The first thing was doubt. Was Moses dead? Did God kill him? Is God going to kill us too? Is this all a trick? Did those miracles he did just do, do that to deceive us and get us out of here where he could kill us? That sounds twisted, doesn't it? But twisted thoughts sometimes can bring lots of doubt into what God's doing in your life. Here's what else happened. Blame. Blame. Moses, they blamed it on Moses. Moses did this to us. In part of the scripture, it says, Moses led us out here. Are there not enough graves in Egypt that he led us out here to kill us? It's Moses' fault. He led us the wrong way. I knew we should have never trusted him. Blame. We always want to try to blame something. In order to do it, you have to twist the truth to get it there. Look at the scripture. Who did they say brought them out of Egypt? Moses. Did Moses bring them out of Egypt or did God bring them out of Egypt? What, Moses? We put our focus on human leaders when we don't know what to do. When we get sometimes delayed and we get in a place we're not sure, we look for a human leader to try to tell us what to do, and they will always fail us. Humans are going to fail us. They are not God, and they don't know it all. Blame always causes us to forget God's hand and try to, look, try to lay the blame somewhere. And thirdly, this is the big one. What else did they do? They reduced. Let me tell you what I mean by that. They reinvented God. They made a golden calf statue. And they called it God. Now, they didn't call it a God. They called it Yahweh God, Jehovah God. They called it by God's name. They said, this is God. Look, look at what it says, I believe, in verse 4. These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. They said, and they, the word there, uh, these are your gods, O Israel, that brought you up. They gave him the name Yahweh. This is Yahweh, your God, and he looks like a calf. I don't think the people were dumb enough to think that the Hebrew God, their, their God that had delivered them miracles, didn't exist and a golden calf had done all this. No. They just said, oh, this is what God is. They reduced him to a calf. Let me tell you what the calf was. In Egypt, uh, Egypt, they had all kind of gods. They were animals and mixtures of humans and animals and all this. But the slave's God was a calf. Not a big cow, not a bull, but a calf. It was a reduced version. In other words, the slaves had a much more impotent God than the Egyptians did. And they said, this is our God. They reduced our God into something less powerful and smaller. They didn't replace God. They just reduced him into a form they could understand and that they might could control. They reduced him. They diminished him. You know, it's tough for Christians to actually abandon God, you know, and say, I turn my back on God. Christians aren't going to do that. But oftentimes, we just reduce him. We mix him with other things or we say, well, my understanding was a little wrong about that. And we reduce him and make him less powerful. We mix him with things to give him more power. We may say, 
I'm in need of, 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 of money or I'm in need of paying my bills. And, and God, I, I, God, and they start saying, you are, you are the prosperity God. That's all you are. You're the God that gives us money. And all of a sudden, God becomes the money giver. Only the money giver. Or maybe um, we, we reduce God to fit our, our uh, culture so that he'll be popular in our culture. And we'll just change what God says to believe some things that are popular in the culture. Or maybe we, we wrap God in an American flag and say, you know, George Washington, Jesus, and the, and the Bible and the Constitution, praise God. You know, we all put it all in there together. No. Delays tend to make us try to scratch around and try to find an answer. And so we take God and say, okay, God, all right, maybe I was wrong about you, but at least do this for me. And we reduce him and make him smaller in our life. And then we have more control and we get to start making some more decisions rather than surrendering ourselves to God. And guess what happens? We begin to second guess God, his purpose, his plan, his power, his love, his care for us. And we're a slave again to anxiety and confusion and trying to do everything on our own. We're right back where we started. We're a slave again. We begin to try to find something else that rings our bell that sounds sort of like a God thing. And we'll just ring that bell. And here's the truth. God does not need us to make him relevant. God doesn't need us to make him relevant. God is more real than anything in, in the whole universe anyway. God is real. That is the truth. God is. That's who he is. So what was the result? They're down in the mountain and they became, first of all, they became skeptical because of their doubt. Skepticism can wipe out faith. Secondly, they became bitter because of blame. They didn't like what was going on. In fact, they didn't like the food they were eating. They were getting free food and still didn't like it. And they became weakened because they watered down God. They watered down power. Can you imagine them saying, yeah, I remember going through the Red Sea, but ah, I was probably, it was probably just a wind. <laughs> oh, I re yeah, I remember the food coming down from heaven. It was probably just some, some freak nature thing. Our God does not intend on delays doing that to us. He doesn't. Wouldn't it be better if we started looking at delays that we can't control in our life as divine delays and say, what is God doing? God must be up to something. A divine delay. Perhaps, friends, God is in the delay after all. So here, here are just three things really quickly that I want to give you today. To, to, what do you do when you're dealing with a delay? How do you make that delay a divine delay? Number one, replace doubt by feeding your faith. I want to tell you something, guys. There's nothing better to build your faith than the Word of God. Listen, when you're in a crisis, the time to drop your daily devotions and reading the Word of God is not that time. That's the time for you to double down and say, God, I need something from your Word. Because when you read His Word, all of it, it's all true, and it's all truth. It gives you life. It gives you, it gives you faith. It builds you up. Trust God's Word. It's, it's, it's dependable. 
Acknowledge God in things. Acknowledge him in it. The Bible says to in every way acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. In other words, when you're in a crisis, bring God in the crisis. Don't try to explain the crisis. Just bring God into it. Bring God into it and say, God, what is this? Acknowledge him. Declare your faith. Yes, God, I believe in you. Even when it's dark, I still believe in you. I, I like to use this phrase, set your anchor at that time. When you are in a delay and you feel like everything's moving around you and you're not sure, what do you do? You set your anchor. Your anchor is God's word and God's truth to you. That's your anchor. Second thing, resist blame by letting go of it. <laughs> you know, take responsibility for whatever's your fault and the rest of it, quit trying to find something to pin it on. Just let go and say, God, I give it to you. God, I give it to you. You know what? That will help your anxiety slide right on out the door. It'll get rid of your anxiety if you will quit trying to figure it out. We can't figure it all out. Most people have anxiety issues now because they're trying to figure it out. God knows you don't trust God. The scripture says, lean not into your own understanding. You realize when we try to figure things out, what are we trying to do? We're trying to put most of our weight on our ability to understand something. The Bible says don't lean on your own understanding. Who do we lean on? God. We lean on him. I promise you, he will not let you down. He will not. Here's the third. Refuse to reduce by glorifying God. One of the most difficult and most liberating things in the world to do is to worship and praise and glorify God in the middle of a storm. In the middle of trouble, if you'll go into the secret place and glorify and honor and worship and declare God's greatness, it will help you more than anything in the world. It will help you to do that. And it's something you have to do intentionally. It's not going to come over you. You're going to have to actually force yourself into that place because the enemy's going to give you every reason not to do it. Walk in there and glorify God. Glorify him. I like Psalm 34, 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. That word magnify is really good. In Hebrew, it really means what magnify means. It means sing a little louder. <laughs> it means shout it. It means look at it bigger. It means magnify. So when you're in a mess, God starts looking small to you like he's powerless. What you do is you say, I magnify you, God. I put a magnifying glass and say, there's no way that I'm big enough to see you. I can't even see your bigness, but I know you're bigger than I'm seeing right now. And so you choose to magnify the Lord. That is a good thing to do. Magnify him. Our eyes can't see him as big as he is. So we have to know how big he is by declaring it. There's a danger of losing heart in a delay. When we wait and we're delayed, we feel we've lost courage, become a basket case. Our faith can be shaken to the point of quitting. We can become demoralized, pessimistic. Delay can be very dangerous to us because it finds a way to get in our emotions and make us play mind games and fears. Could even attack our faith and try to kill our hope. But I want to read to you Psalm 40, verse 1. 
in the Message Bible. I love this. I waited and waited and waited for God, and at last he looked, and finally he listened. That, that is David's way of saying, God, where are you? But I waited and I waited and I waited, and finally I heard his voice. What do you do? You wait by pursuing him, not by running away from him. I'm going to conclude with this in a sort of a strange way. I want to take you on a trip to the grocery store for a second. We're going to go to the grocery store and we're going to buy the best cake mix and icing, okay? We're going to go buy it and then we're going to go in our kitchen. We're going to get a bowl out. We're going to follow the directions exactly because we want some cake. We're going to pour the contents in a bowl. We're going to pour some milk in there, a couple of eggs, some butter or oil or something. And then we're going to eat it, aren't we? No, wait, wait, it's not time to eat it yet. We're going to mix it first. We're going to get it all mixed up, nice batter. Then we're going to eat it, right? No, it's not time. We're going to put it in the oven for a minute, and then we're going to eat it. No, we're not, because if we take it out in a minute, it won't be done. So we're going to let it have the whole hour to cook, and we're going to cook the whole thing, and then we're going to pull it out, and then we're going to eat it. No, we're not. We're going to let it cool. And when it gets cool, we're going to put the icing on it. And when the icing is all on it, we're going to eat it. And I want to tell you something. It will be well worth the wait. It'll be well worth the wait. Because we didn't get in a hurry to find out what was happening. We let it happen all the way to the end by following the instructions that God gives us. I don't know what your delay is today what you're facing. Maybe it has something to do with the pandemic. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't. But I'm going to ask you to join me as we, as we use some of these things that we've talked about in prayer. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you will. If everybody will stand with me. For those of you online, our prayer team has, has been there and they're waiting on you. Right now, you can just click in the comment section and the prayer team person will talk with you immediately. I want to ask you if you'll just bow your heads for a minute and just, would you hold your hands out in front of you like you're receiving something? I want everybody to just listen carefully. Maybe you're waiting for God to provide you the right job. You're ready to work, but it's just not there. Maybe you're waiting for God to do a miracle in a relationship that's gone wrong or sour. Maybe you're waiting for a house to sell. Maybe you're waiting for a child or a grandchild to come to Jesus in faith. Maybe you're waiting for a miracle of healing. The doctors have given you a bad report and you're waiting and you're waiting and you know God is the healer, but you don't see anything yet. Today, I want you right now in your spirit to declare this, a divine delay. I want everybody to say, Lord Jesus, I receive this as a divine delay. I can't control it, but you can. Lord, I feed my faith with your word. I believe you. 
if you kill the bear and the lion, you will save me from this. Lord, I let go of the blame. I put everything in your hands. And Lord, I magnify you. I see you as bigger than I'm seeing you now. Because I know who you are. You are the great God of power. You're the God of revival. And today, if you have never met Jesus by putting your trust in him, I want to invite you right now to say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and let me start this walk with you. I trust you. We're going to sing together to declare the greatness and the goodness of God. In the middle of a delay, let's magnify.